fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode number 49, and my guest this week actually had a thing or two to teach me. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, if you're watching right now on YouTube and you would prefer an audio-only version, you can get that at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many other places like that. However, if you are listening and you didn't even realize that there was a visual side to this show, then I encourage you to please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, though, if you could please subscribe, like, follow, share, whatever the case is on the platform that you're using, it really helps me to keep growing this show from the ground up and reaching people like you. So if you already have supported me, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. And finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you've got a great idea for a guest or just some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's guests, and that's right, I said guests, there's two of them. Um, as I alluded to earlier in the intro, they are educators. They are both teachers here in the Ottawa area, and they also happen to be a married couple. Uh, I had the chance to catch up with Karen Jacobson, who is a, a friend from high school, and I had the pleasure of meeting her husband, Shane Wong. And both great people, really, really interesting perspective, obviously, on the pandemic, being both educators, but also having their own children. Um, and, you know, adjusting to virtual school has been hard enough for any parents. Uh, I, I can speak for myself there. But imagine being teachers on top of that and having to adjust to the same virtual classroom scenario. So uh, I had a great time really just asking them questions all about their careers and, and how things have shifted through uh, COVID and the craziness that we're all experiencing. So I hope you guys enjoy the chat as much as I did. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It's really cool to be able to catch up with you, Karen. And yeah. it's really a, a pleasure to meet you, Shane. Uh, thanks for taking the time because this is a really interesting thing for me. I, I talk with lots of comedians and entertainers, but I love to get the chance to talk with someone who does a completely different style of career and uh, education is super important. And obviously you guys have been dealing with a lot with the COVID stuff. So we will, we'll definitely touch on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. First, let's let's just get into a little bit about you guys. So you're both teachers for the OCDSB, which is the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. That's public school. Yeah. Um, and Karen, you are an English literacy development teacher, and you teach grade eight, right? It's grade six, seven, eight. Um, oh, middle school. My, okay. Yeah. So this year I have like well now I have sevens and eights, but it could be like anywhere from six, seven, eight at my school. So. Oh, so it was Shane, I believe, that was the grade eight teacher then. Yeah, that's okay. Right. So you guys, um, before we get into the COVID stuff, I want to know just a little bit about your teaching history. Um, so first of all, just how long have both of you guys been teaching for? So I've been teaching for 10 years. It'll be like my, I started in 2000, like end of 2010, but I got a contract in 2011. So it'll be my 10th year, like next year. Nice. Yeah, pretty Shane. similar. Um, uh, Lots of supply teaching. And then, uh, so for her, she got a job doing French. So it was much quicker for her. I had years, years of supply <laughs> teaching uh, and then uh, worked my way up to a contract. But uh, it would be, I think, uh, 12 years, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys both been at it for a while. And how did you guys meet? Through teaching? Or I, I was wondering if it was maybe like a romantic PTA meeting. Or no, no, no. It, it's, it, it worked out. It's handy that we're both teachers. But uh, we met in um, in university in a philosophy class, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you guys And then uh, at that time, like, I don't think either of us fully knew what we were doing. But then, you know, fast forward a few years, 
I was like, I'm going to do psychology. And then I see him and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I see him in psychology classes and I'm like, what? And then fast forward a few years, like after that, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And then he was like already a teacher, like had already finished teacher's college. And then we reconnected after he had actually finished teacher's college. We, That's so cool. Yeah. Destiny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I made him do When we were like, when we were like, you know, second year university, I made him do that. You know, if we're not married by this age, we'll get married. But I'm pretty sure we got married like just before that date. So, you know, it was choice not before. <laughs> and if my Facebook research is correct, you guys have been married like a decade, I guess, around? It'll be our 10 years, uh, our 10 year anniversary. Uh, yeah, this August. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. God, I don't even know our anniversary. Sorry. <laughs> July, July. The kids in the summer, are August. In the summer sometime. Born in August. I remember it was warm out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, congrats on that. That's awesome, too. Um, I want to know, before we get into COVID again, as far as teaching, was there a teacher in specific that you remember that had the biggest impact on you uh, that maybe propelled you into wanting to teach and become an educator yourself? My mom for me, because my mom was a teacher. Um, oh, so cool. we actually, uh, I never had her, but my brother and sister actually had her uh, as their teacher, kind of like they were in her classroom at some points. Um, but, uh, growing up, I thought, well, I wouldn't ever want to do that because she's, she finishes work at this time and then she continues working and then she brings work home and I, was yes. like, I don't want any of that nonsense. Um, so I was in school and thinking like I would do lots of possible other things. And then I just, everything I volunteered to do and enjoyed doing was always teaching and working with kids. So I, I leaned into it and, um, got to teacher's college on the first attempt, which is actually pretty hard to get into. So, uh, nice. yeah, kept on, kept with it. And, and I, I still love doing it. And I've done other jobs like briefly, uh, I sold cars for part of a summer. And I didn't even make it the whole summer because it just felt quite soulless and not like, <laughs> you know, I was doing something that was, uh, making a contribution to society that was positive. Right. So that's one thing you never feel bad about as a teacher is that you're never going to feel bad. True, about, like, yeah. You know, uh, am I making the world a better place? You know, as long as you're a good teacher. Yeah, as long yeah. As, that's what I was just going to say. As long as you're not, uh, I've had a couple that definitely were not making the world a better place in my yeah. own high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I have a, like, my story is a little bit different. I also didn't want to be a teacher for sure. For the longest time, I was like actively leaning away from that. Um, but I think there's two teachers that stand out. One was like my grade three teacher who at that time, AD, it was called ADD at that time, but it wasn't like very well known at the top that time. And she, I guess, learned about it at some PD or something that, you know, she went to and she actually, you know, had that, like, she was brave enough to tell my parents, like, I think your kid has that and like, you should get her tested. Oh. And my family is like a very scientific mathematical, you know, background. So they were, yeah, like for sure open to that. And yeah, that, so that diagnosis of ADD or ADHD, as we call it now, like completely changed my life. Like I would probably not be here if I hadn't been for that teacher because it was hard enough. Like I've been on medication since, since the beginning of grade four. So yeah. for, yeah, like, you know, it's not that I'm an advocate of saying, you know, you have this, you should take medication, but for me, for functioning, I need it. And yeah, it works for so that diagnosis. Yeah. It was like super important. And then in high school, I struggled a lot. Um, as a result of that, but also, you know, high school's hard. It's a big transition. I went to a new school. Um, 
And, you know, it was a, probably like the hardest time of my life. And part of that was like, you know, what I was struggling with, with, you know, comorbidities like anxiety and depression and even, you know, side effects of medications that I was taking to treat X or Y. But then there was the other side of like, I knew that I was like capable. I was a smart person, not to, like, that I'm saying I'm a genius or anything, but I, I knew what I was able to do and, and what, what level I could get to. And I just wasn't able to achieve that. I needed more help. And so there was a teacher named Mr. Belanger who was at the high school that we went to. I don't know if you ever Yeah, I vaguely remember him. Yeah. He ended up being like the head of spec ed later on, but he was like, he had such an impact on me that when I finally did decide, okay, you know, the best way I can have an impact on, on people, because I thought maybe I wanted to go into research and I was going to prove like that this, this needed to happen for education or that needed to happen. And I realized, you know, that was like angry, rebellious teenage, you know, ideas and the best impact I could have would be like one kid at a time, you know, first at least until I, you know, how can you go and critique? That's what you needed when you were young, you know, that's, that's poetic almost. He was such a great support that in teacher's college, I actually went back and interviewed him, you know, so I got to see him as like an adult and like at the beginning of my teaching journey, I got to see him. And so, and then even like, you know, our schools are, are connected. He's now retired, but like saw him, you know, five years into teaching. So it was really interesting to see him throughout, you know, my journey, but yeah, like for sure what he was a, he's the way that he helped kids who needed help, you know, who maybe yeah. like t- other teachers might not, you know, so might look at their behavior and say, Oh, that kid doesn't care. Or that kid's this, or, you know, label them, which is easy to do when you don't, spend a lot of time with the kid in a day where like in high school, you don't see them necessarily for as or they long put too as many I kids can. in one class, you know, right. Like in, in intermediate, what I love about that is I like that they, they're older, but I spend all day with my kids. I, I have, I get to really, 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 really know them like yeah. so well, like I spend more time with my students than I get to spend with my own family, you know? Wow. So, but that's, that's a real deep connection there then. And they're going to trust you and you're going to be able to help nourish their education. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very rewarding job for sure. Yeah. And it's cool what you said about to your teacher when you were really young, pointing out the ADD, because I think a lot of teachers might be afraid to bring something up like that with parents for fear yeah. of the parents being like, you know, what are you saying about my kid or something like that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for and- sure. It was, I was, I'm so lucky that my parents were supportive of that and yeah, like it was a game changer in my life for sure, for sure. I think it's really cool you got to interview your teacher because I've uh, there's one teacher in high school that I can't find him on Facebook, but I've been wanting to interview him for the reasons that we're talking about now, that he was one of the few teachers that really made me feel like, you know, I wasn't, uh, not that I got really bad grades or anything, but like, I wasn't like top of the class either. And I just didn't care a lot of the time in school. I skipped a lot. Um, but his class, I actually tried to attend because I felt like he saw potential in me and I could feel that. And then that made me feel confident and made me give a crap, you know? It's, it's huge. Like the, you know, like for the good or the bad, what a teacher can do and like the baggage that even, even teachers, like the emotional baggage that teachers have in teaching a certain subject because of their own history, you yes. know, with that subject, it's, it's just crazy. The emotional baggage that we kind of like carry with us from that time in our lives. And it's kind of weird. Like my whole life I've been in school, like as a student and then, you know, and then you go to school, like post-secondary, if you go to, if you end up doing that and then I ended up back in school, I've literally been in school, but I, but now you see, you kind of relive, you don't relive your own 
schooling, but you look back at it, at it with a different lens. I was totally going to ask you guys about this, just about what it's like to revisit high school, especially, or wherever, middle school, I guess the same, that sort of adolescent age, but from this totally different lens of now you're on the other side and you're part of the faculty, it must yeah. be really kind of, you know, cool and gnarly, but also maybe just a little weird at the same time. Oh yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you start hearing yourself saying that thing that your parents said to you that you're like, I'll never say that, or I'll never do that thing. And as a parent, you're like, Oh crap. I'm really a lot like my parents or, you know, in some ways anyways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That definitely like, um, it also puts things into perspective. Like, I don't think there's a time in every kid's life where they realize, Oh, my, my parents don't know the answer to everything, yeah. but my teacher does. And then they get to the point where like, Oh, my teachers are human too. And that I find often happens in middle school. And it's just like, so fun to be a part of that. Like, and it's like almost intimacy building. It's like, yeah, we're all human, you know, like we're exactly. we all, we're no, none of us are perfect. And that's why it's okay. That's why I tell you it's okay to make mistakes because like I'm making them every day too, you know? Yeah. That's how we learn. That's the basis of like learning anything is failing essentially because that's when you learn, Oh, don't touch the stove. Don't, you know, like baby stuff all the way up to it's all about experimenting and not being afraid to try things and, and not being afraid to fail in essence. Yeah, exactly. I think it is important to remember what it's like, uh, and empathize with, you know, the 13 year old mind when you're dealing with brigade aids, because, you know, uh, as teachers, you'll see th- kids do the same thing that you know they've done the year before and, and, and teachers will express frustration like, why did they do these things? And, and, you know, well, you know, you did those things when you were 13 and, and so will 13-year-olds 10 years from now, like throwing yeah. snowballs, for example. There always has to be a rule about no throwing snowballs for safety reasons. But when has there ever been a field of snow and a bunch of kids that didn't, they didn't pick up the snow? Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's just, you have to remember that's, you know, what it's like for, for them. That's just an activity that humans do. What you just said, I'm finding now with parenting, because my oldest is uh, 12 and a half now. So he's in grade seven, he's getting hair on his legs and he's just, you know, (laughs) talking back and being a little sassy and stuff. And it's all stuff that when I dig deep enough in my own memory, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I was pretty much exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you made it to 12 and a half before the sassiness came, that's pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, he's always been a bit quieter, but I've noticed a little bit of the attitude vibe, but he's still a good kid. I can't complain. I just hope they stay there. Sorry. Sorry? Yeah, so you avoid a lot of frustration by remembering that, by like not getting frustrated. Like, why don't they listen? Why don't, why do they do it? Of course they do, (laughs) you know, Uh, that's just their nature. Uh, Everything seems so huge when you're that age. Like, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you and you literally are like, I don't know if I can go on living. And it's, you know, you're watching Dawson's Creek or whatever, (laughs) amped up. And and, uh, now you look back and you're like, oh my God, like I had so much life still. Uh, Obviously I'm not gonna marry the girl from grade seven most of the time, I guess. You cry for two weeks of a relationship that lasted like one month. Yeah, you saw like (laughs) one movie together. That was like half the relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was funny what Shane was saying about uh, your your mom being a teacher and your brother's, uh, you said maybe had classes with her. Yeah, they had. I've always thought that would be really weird. Mm -hmm. For a lot of kids, even if you've got great parents, school is a a place where you kind of get to get away from your parents for a bit and kind of get some distance. Um, So yeah, that's gotta be bizarre. I've had, I've had like colleagues where their kids have been in, in school and they, you know, they, they don't teach them, but yeah, like it, it's a delicate kind of like balance that they do and you watching them like walk because everybody, all the staff know like, Oh, that's like this teacher's kid. Right. Yeah. They, and like seeing them walk down the hall and like, it's cute when they're like good with it. And it's like, that's like such a, um, 
a nice thing to say about your parents that like everyone must think that teacher is cool that you're like not like looking the other way and then you're like hey yeah. you know in the hall but I also feel like I wouldn't want to teach and this has happened to many people I feel like it'd be hard to teach like your friend's kid too you know like if you're friends yeah. with someone and then now your relationship got weird because like now you're their teach you're like their kid's teacher Maybe their yeah. kid's being disruptive in class or something. Yeah, you like yeah. have to have that conversation. I'm trying to think of, I don't think I've ever met a teacher's kid who actually was like very disruptive behavior issue. You know, like most, yeah, most teacher's kids are also just tend to be like kids that are the, te- the if you were teaching them, you wouldn't really have anything bad to say about them anyway. In general. Some of them grow up. Right, because that's at different schools. They don't, they don't let them come to the school. They're teaching yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to like my kids. I'll set up somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it could be a conflict of interest uh, more for the kid, like especially oh, in yeah. teen, teen years where you're just like, even if your mom is the teacher everybody else likes, to you, she's still your dorky yeah. mom because you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the sure. phase you're in. Yeah, um, I'm not taught grade three, so it wasn't that big a deal like, for, for that age, right? They yeah, can still yeah, yeah, at that age, it's not. Yeah, less than a deal Yeah. I wouldn't want to teach my own kid, though, either. Like, I just would want them to have their own you know, like, like have their own little journey in that sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and learning different things from different people, different styles of teaching, you're going to get a more um, balanced education. You know, you're already teaching them life lesson stuff every day um, just by being their mom. So um, it's cool to get different teachers in there too. Yeah. Um, Okay. I want to know regarding COVID and all the craziness that we've been dealing with um, Shane, you're doing virtual school, virtual education now pretty much all the time or all the time, I guess. Yeah. Whereas Karen, you must've been forced to do it at some points. It's been like, yeah, it was, well, my program's weird. So it was an in-person program, but uh, typically like if anyone who stayed home would be taught like by a virtual class, like Shane's class yeah, and they could be from any school, right. Within the board, but with all the specialized programs, like anybody who came to school, we taught in school, but then we were also responsible for teaching the online students. So for the first until eventually all of my uh, ELD students decided to come in person, which was really, really important for them. And I'm happy that they did because um, it was a, a big game changer and how we were able to help them. But for the first big chunk of the year, we were teaching both like online and in person, like simultaneously. So oh. that was a challenge for sure. Well, because at the beginning or, or during certain points, I remember them giving like an option. You can keep doing online or you can, we're opening schools back up. You can go back in if you want. We, our kids stayed in virtual because we found they were doing quite well in it. And it was easier, um, you know, even in the morning, not having to drive. We live about 15 minutes away from their school. So things like that in the, in the winter, there were some upsides, but um, you know, it's, it's been an adjustment. And I wanted to ask you guys about that specifically, because I know you also have kids uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your daughter has had some health complications since a young age that I would assume if she got COVID would be extra, you know, vicious towards her. Yeah, for sure. We were really scared at the beginning. Um, so like when they started in the last school year, um, yeah, I was happy. I was actually relieved that we were at home because I was nervous about it. Um, and then she ended up getting a surgery that would like during that closure period last year, she got um, a heart surgery, but it wasn't for her heart. Uh, so her issue was she was born premature because of something called tracheoesophageal fistula and atresia. 
Um, I know you're, you're medical, so you might know. That's a mouthful. Um, I I don't know what that is. Essentially like she was born unable to swallow. So her, and there's different formations of about her esophagus was in two pieces and the top half was attached to the trachea. So they did a surgery to correct that. She was lucky. Her version was like, you could do the surgery right away. You don't have to wait. Like there's no gap. So they were able to correct that on like her second day of life. And then we were in the NICU for a while and kind of smooth sailing. I mean, there were minor issues, but really, you know, had a lot of doctors, um, had a lot of other stuff going on, but really minor. And then when she was two, uh, all of a sudden, every time she got a chest bug, uh, she was like getting pneumonias and needed to be on oxygen support and hospitalized. And we had many, 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 many stays at CHEO, um, she always seemed like a, a quite the trooper in all the pictures oh, yeah. that you like, put online. Yeah. The strongest kid that I know for sure. Like she's so tough. So yeah, because we finally, we didn't really know why it's normal for kids with that to have like some pneumonias, but hers was getting kind of even crazy for kids with that condition. And they found out her aorta was um, squeezing her uh, trachea in between her aorta and her esophagus. So they actually moved her, they did this surgery to, cor- to try to correct that, uh, to move her aorta away. So they stitched her a- aorta away against her sternum wall, which oh, gave geez. space to her trachea, essentially. So we had this surgery that in theory would you know, prevent those pneumonias from happening, but because of the masking, so we did end up sending her this school year. We kept her home for a month. She had other medical procedures. We wanted to kind of like test the waters and see how things rolled out, which I could see from the inside kind of because I'm yeah. teaching you. Um, and then when I was like, okay, this will be okay. We sent her in, but she hasn't even really gotten sick because, you know, even in kindergarten, you know, masking and the hand sanitizing has been such a, uh, made such a huge difference in, you know, like even, um, yeah. I don't know anyone who's been well. sick since COVID started with like a cold. Right. You know, yeah. so I don't even know, like I have, I don't have a baseline for what this surgery has done to correct things, but I'm hopeful that maybe that's behind us. I just don't really know. So I'm, I guess I'm less nervous now uh, than I was because of the surgery. And because, you know, I do think like a lot of the things that we're doing make a huge difference. And I kind of was already, I was like the one mom that was prepared for COVID before COVID because I was living, like I had, I had gloves and hand sanitizer and like, masks in my car all the time like mostly for her yeah and and she was the only kid before covid that like had to use hand sanitizer and i'm like the kind of person that grew up like everybody needs to eat a little bit of dirt like this was not my style at all you know kelly always says stuff yeah like everybody needs that like it's but but you know her issue was like every time she gets you know like a little bug if it gets into her lungs like she's on oxygen support so i had to like terrifying shift my thinking and you know based off basically what they always tell you is like don't touch your face you know like that's really it if you can just not touch your face yeah so i was already very conscious of my face touching and if i had this like i've been practicing since she was two years old right like i'm very conscious like even at school because i'm working with like kids which are you know spreaders right Yeah, yeah so when she was sick i was like all of you guys are gross you know like we're all gonna learn how to wash our hands you know, like, so that was an active thing that I taught in my classroom, like before COVID. Right. And I'm very conscious of like, if I've touched something gross, like if I touch a kid's pencil by accident, I'm very conscious of it. And like, there's something that like triggers my brain. It's like, 
this is dirty. Like, yeah. don't touch your face with this until this you- was in some kid's ear like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, but I mean, on top of that though, then you guys are dealing with your kids being in virtual school at some points and you guys teaching in virtual school at the same time, that's gotta be uh, quite the circus. Yeah. Actually, like right now. I can't imagine teaching virtual school to, to young, young kids. Like, Oh yeah. That's Kindergarten or something. <laughs> you know, I haven't really talked to anybody that has that, but I know that she had a, uh, you have a friend that, that's yeah. struggling because you know, you have, you have kindergartners, uh, which our daughter is in kindergarten and they have to, because the meets can only be so long before the kid explodes, right? Mm. Uh, have to meet four times a day, which means we have to try to coordinate uh, getting between my class and then getting her into her computer uh, four different times a day, which we're not super uh, successful at all the yeah, time. We're, we're, the, we're like the late parents. It's like, <laughs> luckily I feel like as a teacher, you also know there's like really no judgment right now. I think that's important for parents to know, like whatever works for you and your kid you know, they're going to catch up. I come from, you know, seven years of working in a program where the kids don't get to go to school for, you know, many, many, many years because of like war in their country, any other kind of crisis, like it could be. Yeah, you, you were know, telling me you work with disaster. refugees, right? Yeah. So, you know, like I know they'll catch up, right? My program is all based on the fact that we can catch kids up if they miss. So there's a lot, I feel less pressure in that sense. But yeah, just trying to like, you know, she's got four Google meets. He's got one break during the day. I've got like my breaks and none of them seem to really match up. So we're just kind of all over the place and like trying to get them fed. And then this time we kept home our three-year-old too from daycare. And that's been a challenge because he doesn't have any Google meets to like keep him, you know, busy throughout the day. We're just kind of trying to like find ways to not be terrible, terrible parents <laughs> and like also have him, you know, entertained and, you know, yeah. I think our kids are very like our, our kids. I say our kids, like our students are very like understanding of, of the, of the reality of our situation. So that I don't think they really mind when we get interruptions, but like the other day I was like, yesterday never, was a hard day. Never mind when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when, <laughs> when is the kid like, Oh man, yeah. class is interrupted. Well, the other day I was like in the middle of, you know, Sawyer was having, you know, some kind of, meltdown or something and you know he's three and he's you know he's a three nature right that happens so <laughs> i'm in the middle of like of helping one of my students with math and so i'm like okay so you write six plus and then i'm like mute i'm like sawyer stop saying bad words two you know pause <laughs> like mute again i'm like so you're going to time out and then write equals equals yeah equals and they're like, so it goes down the stairs, you know, like mute. That seems like an art form in itself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten pretty good at it, I think, actually. Everything's yep. smoother this remote period than, like, the, I think everything, we're all getting better at it. The kids, the, the, the parents, the students, like, everybody, I think it was like we hit the ground running this time compared to the last time. And, like, so much better than, like, last year when we yeah. were, this was all new to us, I think. So that helps a lot. Yeah, we've been stressing out a bit because our youngest, he's turning four in like a, a week. So uh, I was debating next year, do we put him in kindergarten or not? And I think we're leaning towards not just because things have been so uncertain and back and forth so much. And I, I feel like I can teach him the things he and that's not to take credit away from from junior kindergarten teachers. But, um, you know, I have the time to put in to, to do spelling and yeah. and help him put on his own shoes and tie his laces. And I, I look forward to it. I'm really thinking it'll be a fun experience. So unless things really turn around over the summer, 
Um, that's, that's where my head's at right now, but it's a hard choice. I think you have to trust your gut and just know that like, no matter what happens, you know, we might all feel like, you know, you know, feelings might change about it, but your, your, the kids are going to be okay. They're they like in the long run, that's not to say, I definitely don't want to under emphasize like the mental health issues that are 100% an issue. Like we really have to be conscious of that. Oh yeah. Um, But I mean, for, in terms of like, um, a kid not going to kindergarten it's play-based learning anyways right so i feel like it's even in some ways easier if they're a bit younger i feel i feel really bad for kids who are like missing out on you know their their grade 12 year or yes grade yeah. eight year, and those are really like important moments and i think those kids are feeling you know a lot of i mean it's normal to have to be struggling at that age anyways so i think with all this uh, added on to it. Those are the, I, my heart goes out to like my, my students who are in grade eight or every day, like they, they can't read all that well. So they're sending me like, they're like this, I think the schools are opening. And I'm like, this is from like New Jersey. <laughs> like this is a New Jersey article from like, and I think it's from last year. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had written that down here because I was wondering about kids, uh, you know, graduating high school and missing out on things like prom. And of course it's not the be all and end all, but it, these are rites of passage that uh, are kind of a one-time opportunity. You can't do it when you're in your twenties. It'll be weird to go to prom when you're 25. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I never went to my prom, but it just even a graduation ceremony. I feel like uh, a lot of them are probably feeling like, hey, I got chipped. Or even like getting like get, getting spares, you know, having those like those little things. And and for all, like across the, the, the all the levels, like the missing out on extracurriculars. That's a mm. huge thing. So for a kid who maybe it was like their only time to it was their yeah. last year to play you know, basketball on a team. Like that would be their last time ever that they're ever realistically. Well, the basketball be guys will be fine. I was on improv team in grade nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I needed that a lot more than the basketball guys. They would no, be fine. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just talking about like, I'm so kidding. there's some kids who in, in grade eight, you know, they're short. They're not that fast. They know that in high school, they are never seeing the court because when in high school, they're competing against 10 times as many kids. Right. Yeah. So yeah, at least in elementary school, if you're like the, third worst kid that tried out at least you have a chance right yeah <laughs> uh, but in high school you just don't which is why uh you know it is sad for some kids who you know that's their thing right like maybe yeah. maybe academically that's not where they oh yeah i was just teasing that sports yeah. kids no, but for sure, no, I, feel like when, I feel like on that one though because like that's what i do like my i miss doing my extra curriculars too because like i'm all in the drama like i do the drama club i do a vocal club i do like the talent show i always put on you know the school play uh, and, you know, improv is a big part of all that. And, you know, like that is super important for a lot of kids. Like I like to, I like to be like, oh, you don't have an extracurricular and like we get along, come like at the worst case scenario, come hang out with me. You know what I mean? Like, and get kids involved. It's like, it's, it's like a really important part and it's a lot of extra work, but every year I'm like, it's worth it because I get so much out of it and they get so much out of it that, you know, it's, and I, and working with, uh, ELD, you see, you don't see as many students. So this is a way that I get to connect with like, like the greater school community through those extracurriculars. And yeah, definitely. I mean, how can I do, how can I do a vocal club when not every kid has a device and, you know, we're, you know, virtually, I don't really know. I've thought I've like tried to like figure out if there's a way I can be creative about it, but in our school, it's just not a reality that I just have to wait until this, all blows over. 
Well, yeah, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Um, we, tried to, uh, we tried to run our art club and Minecraft club in, in the virtual school, and it just was like it, kids kids weren't coming, and, and I, like I can understand like it's pretty difficult to really jump in and enjoy something with like because uh, a lot of the kids are coming from all different places, right? Mm-hmm. So they may only know like one or two people, sometimes zero. Like some of them, uh, some of my students are from like the whole other side of the city from the rest of the kids. So it's like, this yeah. is they would know any of them. Yeah. Because when they, when they were organizing schools at the beginning of the year, <laughs> they were just flying by the seat of their pants. My principal said, honestly, he's like, you know what guys, like, you know what I know that right now I know until the end of the day, <laughs> he's like, it's tomorrow I already know what's going to happen. And yeah. I had students in my French immersion classes that were regular, regular stream. Like they had never, uh, been in a French class before and they were just sitting there in this class, their French teacher speaking fluent French to them and they didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, and they were there for weeks, but just cause like the organization was so fast at the beginning. So. Um, and yeah, nobody knows like how to organize things in a pandemic, you know, like where nobody's like, you know what, let's just have this on our, like our plan B, you know, you don't plan for a pen. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people plan for a pandemic, but schools weren't among those. But one thing that's crazy about his situation is that, you know, like he was saying, like he could be, you know, grocery shopping and because not all the kids turn on their, their video and we obviously are not going to force them to do that. It's, you know, there could be any number of reasons why they might not want to share their screen or, or show their video. Yeah. Um, but you know, like he could be with like kids that he's taught all year long and not know that they're there, you know, like wouldn't even. Well, that's like, what I was going to say. How do you know a kid's not just like down making a bagel in the kitchen or something? I guess oh, you can call out to him, but. Uh, some of them are, are, are playing video games. You know, you know I know. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and it's definitely a trust thing. Right. Uh, yeah. But it's also, you know, realizing that they, if they were in, even if they're in class, you know, they're not going to be able to pay attention 100% of the time anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, you can chase yourself in circles, you know, accountability wise, like, okay, you know, I'm going to give you a quiz. Now don't look up the answers. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 and, and my, and they're remarkable, they're remarkably honest. My, my yeah. students, I'm pretty lucky. Um, but well, probably part of that is just the, you know, they've, a lot of them have fear about what's going on and it's, you know, it's not the time to be a, a slacker when the world's falling apart. That's probably how it feels. If I was a kid that age, at least I think I would. And I do try yeah. to be realist even in normal times with about like, you know, what is the importance of your marks? It's like, well, you know, uh, most like, for example, a test, most, uh, tests that you're going to take in a school are only a measure of how you would do on a future test of a similar style. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like they're not going to me- measure your future success. You know, they're not like a, uh, a perfect measure of your, your mathematical brain's ability. Yeah. Um, they don't improve. So like- I try to, I try to make sure that the emphasis is like, okay, what did you get out of it? And it's that way, you know, go ahead and get a, you know, you can cheat and get a higher mark. Well, nobody's gotten anything out of that. Um, mm-hmm. so. yeah. yeah. Descriptive feedback is the most like, uh, you know, research shows it's descriptive feedback that has the, the best, you know, chance of like moving students forward in their learning. So that, and that for me, like what is why you have to prioritize the relationship. Like the relationship has to be first. If you have a relationship, then the feedback is more meaningful. They care. They want the feedback. And when you give them feedback, they'll take it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I have students who, you know, I have a student who didn't want to, you know, edit. I have kind of seen the pattern. So didn't really want to engage in the online thing. Definitely prefers the in-person and then like kept kind of like, you know, 
reaching out to try and get him, but without, with like, not in a pressure way. And then when he finally joined, I was like, was it because, were you sick? Is everything okay? Or were you just, you know, like, just didn't really want to go? And he's like, I didn't really want to go. I'm like, okay, I get it. Don't worry. You know what? I'll help you get caught up. Like, and now he's coming all the time. I'm like, I also had a kid today where I, I used to teach his brother. So I knew his brother. And I also like, I'm friends with the, his brother's teacher. Right. So it's like this weird like connection. <laughs> My kids have like a lot of other kids in their houses. Like there's a lot of siblings. So, and in, at any time I have, I could, uh, there's like, like five or six or seven or eight kids, you know, around. And many of them are in their own like remote learning, you know, classrooms. So I hear the other kid go, yeah, you know, and then like, thanks out. And I'm like, and I say to the kid, I say the kid's name. I'm like, Hey, are you playing video games? I'm like tell your brother, I'm going to tell, I'm going to text his teacher. She's my friend. I'll say like, you, need to <laughs> you know, like, but like you play around with it, be playful about it. And it, it has to, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like mental health has to be first right now, you know? Well, that's um, when you guys are talking about how, you know, it was kind of day by day, which of course made sense at the beginning of the pandemic, especially. Uh, one thing I noticed when they came at, and started doing virtual home at school, my kids, that is, is that they had no kind of physical activity anymore because gym was just not a priority at that point because they were just scrambling to make the whole virtual school thing work at all. Um, So we started getting them to do workouts with us and we were pretty vigilant about that at the beginning. And it seems like they've remedied that now. I've seen them making the kids do like jumping jacks on camera and stuff. Um, But that must have been like, you must have noticed a mood change in kids not getting that kind of physical activity because I know what, what a difference it makes in my life if I, if I work out or, or if I don't get that exercise, you know? I wish I, wish I could sense mood changes, you know? Oh, no? The kids on, are on time on the camera. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true, so, yeah. You know, the, the ones that are having a rotten day, they're in their pajamas. It's, it's you know, we have to really pull it out. And, and sometimes you'll even, like, reach out to them and you just get, like, a, uh, you know, the, the response you expect. How's things fine? You know, like, everything good? Yeah. You know, mm. it, it's hard to find out what's really going on with them in a way that's totally different than in person. Right. Yeah. In person, it's pretty hard to, to, to hide, you know, if you're uh, off, right. If you're not having, but yeah. now, uh, you know, kid, we could be going through major depressive episodes and it's hard for me to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have some tools, but like, it's you no, know, it's, it's a big change for me to, to no one understand these kids. Uh, I have maybe 10% or less that are that put their cameras on on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's, that's mm. common. I, from like my friends who are teaching virtual is pretty common. And with me, I, it's so different to be having a relationship that I established with kids in person and then going to remote. That's so different because I already know the kids. I have a relationship. I know, I know like all this, the siblings, I know the situation at home. I know like, what they're struggling with. I know, you know, I can think of, you know, their motivations of why they would have a hard time with this. And I can find ways to pull them in because I know them already. Right. But yeah, I was going to say, uh, there must've been certain circumstances, maybe not for you guys, where teachers have maybe seen through the camera, the visual approach with the virtual school, maybe seen red flags, uh, you know, like this kid's living in kind of a squalor situation, or maybe Definitely. they overhear a, a parent that sounds a little bit, abusive or something you know so that that's another thing that might have been coming out of this that just sort of dawned on me yeah there's definitely stories about you know what that that kind of thing and and that's part of the reason why you have to be really cognizant of why you know a student might not want to share their screen and you can't force them to but one of the issues like that um as a phys ed teacher um so 
like my, my, I don't, I don't teach my students phys ed this year. Um, but how, how do you teach phys ed to students when you don't know if they're doing what you're asking them to do? Right. So so it's like, but you can't force them to put their screen on. But so there's like, there's just so many challenges and every new situation presents different challenges and you kind of just have to make the best of it. And Cause there are those kids that are going to like do pull like Ferris Bueller moves and just be kind of like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm really sweating at the storm over here. Yeah. You know, a picture cut out over a, like a stuffed animal, like or like a video <laughs> loop of them like lifting weights on the or something. Oh, yeah, like speed, like speed. I, I was gonna ask you guys too if you had seen any any funny zany stuff over Zoom because uh, I was talking to my ex and she was telling my ex wife was saying that. Uh, she was in a mom's group where someone had sort of asked something and, and said that someone had told a story about a little girl bring the the computer to go find mom to ask a question and mom was in the shower <laughs> with oh, like yeah. a clear glass shower and stuff like that so i, I imagine there's some kind of uh, zany stuff that goes on yeah i've, I've heard like uh, i've heard of people like having you know parents breastfeeding in the background and stuff like that <laughs> uh i want a perfect I'm, system <laughs> like i did have a you know like when you know kids are <laughs> I can definitely hear like all the kids situations going on. And like, I was thinking about today as a parent, I'm like, you know, we're all taxed right now. So I'm like trying to get like, you know, I beamed her thing and I have like a minute before I'm supposed to start my meeting. Shane's like in the middle of a lesson. And I'm like, ah, and I'm like, God, thank God it goes on on mute because like when they turn it on, I'm like more nervous that I'm going to look like a bad parent. But then, so I totally understand when I hear all like the sounds in a household, yeah. you know, like the normal parent household sounds that, that uh, I hear that, that with all the kids, you know, there's always going to be like, um, you know, somebody shouting for somebody to do something like all the siblings chatting with each other. Well, I try to watch myself even when I'm walking by, like, you know, that I don't say any <laughs> adult words or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I, well, you were saying about the mood change, though. I, I noticed the biggest change, um, like that when we first went when we first went to um, uh, the remote, like last year. I noticed a huge change because, well, first of all, my kids didn't have devices, so we had to get devices to them. And then once they had devices, they didn't have the technological literacy necessarily to know how to. I mean, just getting them to click, like. <laughs> on on a link when they didn't know the word link and they and didn't know yeah. the word click you know what was really 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 hard because i they, i had to have them click on the meat so then i could once they could see my face then i could then i would be using you like my guide them a little more. yeah so now you're going to move the little arrow to the thing it's a circle it's a circle yeah it's, yeah it's circle it's red it's underneath the other blue it's a square you know <laughs> like just trying to get them to know where to click on things but then just the lack of engagement because you know i had kids and we were super tight and that was their last year and then all of a sudden i'm not seeing them a lot and that was like definitely like i could tell the mood was i could tell that they were not okay and it was hard and then this year when uh, at the beginning when people were told again like not to go outside and they were all stuck and I think like some of our students were actually in the news about this because you know depending on if you have a yard not you know like and you're not allowed to really go to parks and you're not allowed to go you know out and about that's and you have a yard like you can still get some time outside but if you yeah. live in an apartment building and you're not allowed to go outside and you have maybe you know eight to ten people living in your house 
that can be really hard to be so isolated from other people, your friends, out, just nature, you know? Yeah. Not to mention more in that type of living condition, more likely to spread COVID when you've got so many people in a, in a oh, tight. Yeah. That's why a lot of the lower income communities, it was spreading like wildfire. Yeah, it's really, really tough. And then there's also, you know, you have to consider like newcomer families who might not have the same access to information and not, might not even understand what like things, you know, not that they don't understand that there's a the pandemic going on, but might not understand like what rules are in place right now and, and yeah. things like that. So, or the fact that, you know, people might have to, work two or three jobs and those jobs might, you know, land them in the hotspot communities. Right. So they're just in, increased, increased exposure in that sense. Yeah. Hmm. It can be tough. Yeah. It's a crazy world to be living in right now. I can only yeah, imagine totally. the education stuff is, is a whole other thing, but um, I want to ask you a question from my dad. Now it's something I started the first time in the last episode because my dad was a big part of the show up until the pandemic. And then when I started doing Zoom interviews, he didn't really need to be here running the sound and visual tech anymore. So uh, I don't know why it took me so long to realize I could still include a question from him every episode. So here's my dad's question. Um, he wants to know in the post pandemic world, when we've really pulled through this, what are your guys' biggest concerns as far as lingering effects on students that have come out of COVID, like social issues, um, study habits, maybe not being uh, quite to par to where they're supposed to be as far as uh, in historical, you know, in past times where kids are supposed to be at. Maybe they're not going to be there because, you know, it's a crazy uh crazy struggle right now to try and keep things regular. So um, what do you think, what's your biggest concern in that regard? And what do you think we should do to tackle those kinds of issues? That's I'm there's, there's, there's two things that, that come to mind. So first of all is like the potentially more obvious one, which is that uh, the kids are not going to know as much as they would normally going into yes. grade nine. Um, and uh, actually one thing that's new, uh, they, we just got an email saying that grade nine is no longer going to be split. You know, like we had academic applied and they're trying to de-stream as they're saying all the different oh. grade nine and 10 courses starting in September, they're actually not going to have academic and applied. They're, they're putting it uh, right down the middle. So one, one mm -hmm. math course. Uh, and so I imagine that the students who would have been directed or, or chose to go to applied math, uh, now they're also missing, especially if they're in virtual school, like a large chunk of the, the math break. And there's just no way that, that it, out, of the, out of the classroom, they got to all of it. And then plus, even in their in-person, the amount of disruption that there was, uh, they're going to be missing large chunks of that math curriculum, which a lot of it, it's not like in language, like you, you miss like some stuff about similes and metaphors and stuff, but in, in math, it's very much scaffolded. What you do in grade nine is built on stuff. That yes. you learn grade eight yeah. and so on. It's the bedrock. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that that is going to be uh, a struggle. Luckily their teachers are going to know, and a lot of them have, will have gone through the same thing. So they're probably going to have to go backwards a bit. Um, yeah. The the expectations will have to change. Yeah. The second thing for me is the mental health though. Yeah. The students, uh, so, so some, some interesting phenomenon happened. I've, I've heard that um, the suicide rate actually has gone down through the, through the pandemic, which they, really? you know, a strange effect that they've, they've attributed to maybe to people. Is this in teens specifically? Uh, not actually. I think it's not in teens. I, oh, okay. I think it's globally, but um, they, I think they attribute it to, and this is a guess, but um, not my guess, this is a, the researcher's guess is my understanding that um, it's because introverts are, you know, are less uh, required to go outside and, and take all the energy that it needs to be among people and, and pretending to be, you know, something that they're not at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but those same people are saying, eh, you know, when we, when we open back up and we come back out, we could see that this, you know, this dip that we're yeah. having now, which is a positive thing, of course, but uh, when we come back, that, that it might be sort of like an, an avalanche of, of issues coming back all, all at once. Yeah. That's how I, I feel like the mental health piece for sure. And I think that like, even we might not fully appreciate right now, because as you know, like, you know, a neurochemical, you know, when you're neurodivergent, okay. You know, you might not see right now today, you know, um, what you've done today, you know? So let's say you, you have, you're work experiencing this right now. It's impacting, you know, our neurochemical levels. Like we might, it might be three months or six months from now that we're really seeing that. So I think, and also, I also feel like even as adults, like I know I, you, we don't really have any other choice, but to, you know, just kind of like, not, I don't want to say autopilot, but like, if I'm having a really hard day, what other choice do I have but to just like, okay, well, we got to do this. And like, you find your energy somewhere, yeah. you know, Sold and I own. feel like there's that kind of feeling for everybody. And I do think that maybe we don't see, like, we're not at the, the peak of that now. I think it's going to be after the pandemic that we're going to, that we're going to continue to see these mental health issues. I think that they're going to be prevalent for years, you know, afterwards, yeah. I think. Yeah, so, I think there's going to be I mean, lasting ramifications for sure. But I mean, maybe one of the lasting ramifications has to be, you know, for me, I work with kids who come from uh, traumatic situations. Like I won't even, I'll spare you the details of some of the stories that they have because like they're literally, you know, the worst things that I've ever heard that children yeah. have had to go through. War-torn um, countries. Like heartbreaking. So I'm, I've, I always like, and teachers are always considering mental health. That's a part of our job. It's always been a part of our job, right? Mental health and safety have always been first, right? But, you know, I think now maybe we have to think of that even more, like in all walks of life or students in all jobs, like the mental health should be, shouldn't the mental health and safety be first for everything all the time? Should Should we not be prioritizing that far beyond curriculum? Like it shouldn't be you know, like, oh, well, curriculum. So maybe we have to, you know, take away a little bit of the mental health focus here. No, it should be, yeah. it should be that all the time. I think like, for example, you know, even with um, my, my sister is working in, you know, in science and medicine in the field of, of um, stuff that's helping Canada with the pandemic. And it's really complicated to explain, but She's working. She's one of those people that's helping Canada with the pandemic, you know, at the top and, and like the stress that they are under and, you know, and just the fact that they don't get vacation, like that vacation is not easy for every profession and every job that exists doesn't make sense to me. I think like, um, time with family, you know, a four, maybe the, I I was hoping maybe we would be like, let's do a four day work week for people, you know, Maybe we'll learn. There's other countries that do that pre-pandemic. Exactly. I think it's Italy or something. They've got really short work days and it, production is still high because people are happy and they feel appreciated by the people, the employers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mental health equals more functionality and more functionality equals like better, you know, I think performance overall. I think that you'll be more efficient if you're in a better place, you know? Yeah. And a larger and, trust in the institution and a larger sense of community and all good things come from having a healthier mindset for sure. I, I just don't understand why it should be such a struggle for people who like, why are we working at the expense of our health? You know, like yeah. I understand in a pandemic, we're working at the, ex- so many people, like for example, 
you know, uh, Kelly is working at the, at the expense of her health for everyone else's health, right? Everyone else's health. But at the same time, it's like in general, without a pandemic, don't you think we should be uh, considering the role that we play in people's mental health in every job, every job in, in the country? Like, yeah. I, 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 like more family time seems like a normal thing that would be good for everybody. It would pay you back in, in, in healthcare and, you know, mental health care and childcare. It would, I feel like it would pay you back. You know, it's like an investment. Yeah, well, at least we're finally reaching a point in, in time where humans are, or society is okay with discussing mental health issues. At least it's not like 50 no. years ago where you had to keep all that so close to the chest to the point where people killed themselves because they, they just, couldn't bear it anymore. So at least the discussion is there, but you're right. We need to implement prioritizing these things a little bit more in, in a establishment sense. Yeah. yeah. I remember an interview, I think it was on, it was, uh, it was either Colbert or daily show. And I think it was, um, shoot. It was a, I think it was a former first lady and she was, I think it was Carter. And maybe I think okay. she, was, she had been in charge of a mental health, uh, nonprofit, for decades, right? And, you know, the question was like, how much progress we made towards like the, you know, getting rid of the stigma with mental health. And I think this was like 10 years ago. And she said, zero, none. Like we haven't made any progress. I think that may have been true then, right? Like, you know, it was really hard for a NFL player to say, I'm depressed, you know, or or for a celebrity to say like, I'm missing time on this movie. It was a sign of weakness always, yeah. you know, so I think that, yeah, we actually have finally made some legitimate progress where we're seeing, uh, like Daniel Alfredson can say, like, you know, I had depression and, and, and uh, that's not like saying I'm a weak person, right? It's not, it's, yeah. we are finally getting somewhere on that, which where we didn't for a long, long, long time. Uh, it's just good. I know what, it's so important. It's health, so important like- for uh, stereotypically tough people to be okay with it, like, like hockey players mm-hmm. and people like that, you know? Yeah, it like breaks that stigma, you know. Yeah, changing the narrative on what it means to be tough and what, like, you know, what it means to be strong and what real strength is. But actually, even even it's taken a long time. But even the health curriculum now is, I, I think, far better at um, looking at the realities of mental health. And I think, you know, assuming that we do a good job teaching it, that'll make a difference. Hopefully, you know, going forward as well with the younger generation coming up. Yeah, we definitely notice differences with with the students now, you know, there because we can remember calling something gay as an insult just automatically and that never occurred. You know, it is luckily very different for for students now. Um, You know, bullying is is definitely down and the um, attitude of I'll make fun of you for, you know, being different than me in such and such a way. It's not gone. It's definitely not gone. Um, no. Uh, now that there's at least a default attitude where they'll recognize that, that, you know, their peers will not look up to that, you know, where, whereas it used to be just always coming from the, the teachers down saying like, don't think that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. now it's a cultural, cultural thing, which is, you know, what you want, you want to be, you know, inbred into them that, you know, uh, you don't always assume that somebody's a he or a she and, or you don't always, you know, make sense. Well, I like to think that starts with our generation too, that um, the parents that are active right now are imparting some, some sort of values on their kids than what, not to say our parents specifically were bad, but that generation definitely had. And, and of course, previous generations, it just multiplies in intensity and horrible racist yeah. 
stuff and sexism and homophobia and all that. So yeah, let's just let people be people and, and help everyone be happy. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you know, everyone can help make the world a better place, but. Absolutely. I think popular media has a lot to do with it, right? Like you think of, you know, the show sitcoms that we watched growing up, they would have like uh, a joke and every show would have like, Oh, this, this, you know, woman turn out to be a, a man and that's horrifying, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, when you stuff has not aged well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you rewatch it, but yeah, like you were, I guess like if you're lucky, you know, you know, um, you weren't offended by that because you didn't even, you know, like you didn't have to be, you weren't walking a life where that was that where you were struggling like that every day, even when we were kids. But yeah, when you look back at some of the things that maybe you wouldn't even have noticed how many, you know, insults that were, you know, in certain areas, like it's crazy, you know, like even things like friends and, yeah. you know, which, you, which I, I remember being fairly benign. There's still, there's a lot of things where you're like, whoa, like, I can't believe they said that. It seems like there's a lot less movie. Like I remember when we were in high school and I think this was a couple of decades before there was a lot of movies like, like American pie style. And I'm not saying that's a bad oh film, gosh. but, but the bro <laughs> like the broy kind of jock humor, really low brow. I guess there's, there's a time and place for it, but um, it, we seem to be moving away from that style of humor in, in a lot of popular culture now, which is- I actually you know, can't, that movie is like, I can't, I, I watched it one time and I was like, I can never watch this again. Like, it just makes me too, I have too much empathy and there's too much like embarrassment and bad stuff that happens. And I'm like, I just can't even like watch. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best example because from what I remember, I remember thinking that was kind of a funny film. But uh, oh, I'm sure it was. That like my empathy of like the embarrassment of like the pie scene is like too oh, yeah. much. Like I literally like I would if I watched that, I would actually have to fast forward that because I'd be like, no, 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 this is too. Hard. Immersion is very real for her. Like when she plays video games, if her if her character like jumps off a cliff, she actually like falls. I guess it takes like feeling like I'm jumping. She really yeah. cool. characters. That's so, empathy. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. that's like some weird video game like deficiency that I have. Like I, my uh, I find goes the same. Up, like I'm actually being chased by people. If people are chasing me. <laughs> I'm kind of similar though. The older I get, the more things affect me. Like I used to love watching like horror movies and I'm not saying I never would now, but I think it would mess me up a lot more because I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I don't know. Visualize it more or something. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I look back at some of the stuff that I've watched. I'm like, how did I watch that? Like when I was 13 years old, like. It's because you're invincible when you're that age. You know? Yeah. Like you're just like, man, nothing scares me. I'm so far from death. You know? I, will, I will say one thing that creeps me out the most in horror movies is like when children are evil, because maybe because of our profession, like if a child <laughs> is like evil, like the grudge. The grudge is the one where she like crawls on the floor of the kid, right? I don't know. Or is that the uh, ring? Yeah, I think she was young. She was like a teen girl or something. Yeah. That, I was like, nope, <laughs> I can't watch that. Yeah, she was kind of like a the ring sort of vibe. It was. It was yeah. I remember those movies came out around the same time and thinking that their ghosty characters were kind of the same. Yeah, evil children, not can't do it. Yeah, Children of the Corn, I think, was the one from the 70s or the 80s, which was a bunch of evil, evil children. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Oh, one. This is more of a joke, but uh, I guess there's no no detention now. <laughs> Virtual school. I don't know. How does that handled? But honestly, how, how would discipline be handled where something like an expulsion or suspension or detention would be implemented normally? See, I have to think about this. Do you have to- <laughs> I think I think that, to be honest, I think that given the circumstances, uh, schools are really, really trying not to do that and understanding that many uh, children might find themselves dysregulated for any number of reasons. And this is like 
an extremely hard time. You're asking, you know, children to not only follow rules while already being taxed in all these different ways, but adding all these extra rules on top of that, that make it really difficult. You know, like the recess yards are divided into zones and they can't interact with, they might not be able to interact with their other friends. And, you know, you're taking away all their extracurriculars. And I mean, there's just so much, I think that really people do try to shy away from that as much as possible. And really like, it, you know, for me personally, there's a lot of, I, you know, I'm often dealing with behavior issues. Um, it's normal for any teacher. Uh, I find like you have to really, the relationship is what solves it, right? So if you, ha you have to invest the time in the relationship and then um, handling like misbehaviors doesn't, as it doesn't have to end up being such a huge thing. Well, I was yeah. almost going to ask if, if that's even a thing pre-pandemic or are they moving away from stuff like detention in general? No, I was going to say we that, don't really uh, have it seems yeah. like a pointless... Honestly, moving away from, from punishment, right? So yeah. punishment is like you, you, you know, give a strictly negative consequence of not, no relation necessarily to what happened, yeah. right? Yeah. Just, we're going to make you suffer <laughs> yeah. uh, for Double a jail. educational purpose. And yeah. yeah, we are definitely are moving away from that. Um, I'm very lucky in my, my class, like my, my students have never needed any kind of uh, intervention. Um, well, you project a calm vibe. I think that's part of it. You seem very steadfast, kind of, you know, calm. He's a coach too. Like he's a coach that doesn't yell like almost ever. And then, so like maybe once every, I don't know, how many games would you say you'd go before you'd actually yell? Like no, once every like 10 now. games, like, I've seen him yell like a handful of times in my entire life. Of, of yeah. See, I'm very excitable, but you seem cool as a cucumber. <laughs> like you would be in a pressure situation. Yeah. You would just keep it, you know, I had to learn actually to, to force myself to get a higher energy. Um, it, I try to, of course, keep it positive and, and, you know, yell encouragement, but at first things that were, you know, said to evaluators were like, or said from evaluators, like, you know, can't hear you, you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. you're, you're talking to the players on the court and trying to give them, you know, uh, in, uh, uh, instructions they have inspirational <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like yeah um, we're doing great yeah but i was trying to think like if i actually had to let's say like some kid uh came in like swearing in the in the meat or something because most of this you know a lot of the behaviors that would exist you know just aren't right like kids yeah you know throwing stuff at their classmates like that just that doesn't exist right true yeah uh, but they, could, they could definitely irritate and disrupt if they wanted to if that happened i think it would just be conversations first um finding out like what is going on? Uh, is this, you know, is a reason for why that's happening? And uh, then it would probably just have to be contact with, with home, which is yeah. normally something I try to avoid in, in person um, because for my age, my, my students are grade eight, like they are learning to regulate their behavior. Mm -hmm. I really try to, you know, deal with them first. Me too. Um, but, you know, when you can't actually, uh, like if the kid can just walk away from the computer at any time, you know, you do have to have accountability, you know, um, it would probably have to be contacting parents and saying, okay, this is what's happening. And yeah, so I'm lucky I've had to do that. Um, you do have uh, like, we do have, so technology has come a long way. So we don't, our platform is not zoom. It's like Google meet. And it's really impressive how quickly they have rolled out all these changes in response to like feedback from teachers who are using them and, and school boards. And so there's a lot of things that you can do. Like, for example, if you're having students who are constantly typing things in the chat that are maybe inappropriate, like you can block them from being able to write, you know, type in the chat. So there's like things that are built in now, features, I guess you could say. It's too bad like you can't uh, do the old, 
Uh, you know, when you catch it, someone passing the note and now you make them come to the front of the class and read it in front of everybody. <laughs> that was like the classic elementary school thing. Well, one funny thing that like that I hear myself saying is that um, we have now these things called breakout rooms. So I can, you know, yes, my daughter like, talks about these. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's great. It's so, it's so, so, so good for teaching because you can have them in small groups. You can get them more, you know, involved in chatting with each other in a smaller group scenario and you can do different types of you know, activities, but so they'll, but then there's a main room. So you can, you know, one way you can handle it is like you, you put them in their, their different breakout rooms and you, you go from room to room to room, or sometimes they might stay in the main room and they can come back. Or if they join late, I'll be like, okay, I'll put you in this room. But I keep, I keep finding myself saying, okay, so go to your room, <laughs> like, go to your room <laughs> and I'll come like join you, you know, like in the, in whatever, but I keep saying, go to your room, go to your room. And I'm like, this sounds weird. It just feels weird telling my students to go to their room. Yeah. That actually does bring up something that's been a major loss uh, is I can't really have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with kids. And that is a huge loss. Yeah. Um, because there's no way like so we're not allowed to record anything uh they decided mm. and then once they figured out all the policies said okay no recording at all uh because at first we were encouraged to record which made sense to me um but now i'm sure all the breastfeeding moms are thankful <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. because of Stuff like that. uh yeah. privacy laws as far as i understand is the number one reason yeah no not, yeah. not at all uh so which makes one-to-one -one meetings if you really wanted to have them an extreme uh like uh, a hassle, like way more work than it'd be worth. Uh, so in person, it would be, you know, I would have lots of mini conferencing on like, you know, 30 seconds on what's going on here and then get you. Yeah. Back. Like you guys are working and, over there. You yeah. come talk with me at the desk, right? Yeah. I can't really do that because everybody's kind of hearing everyone's stuff all the time. Which is another reason why it's that much harder to find out what's really going on with kid. Right. Uh, Cause you, you know, you're going to, I have to strategically pick a kid to, if I will need to talk to somebody, I have to strategically pick a kid to bring in with them so that they're the most likely to still be open. Right. But mm. it's still not hundred percent on what you would probably get if you actually you couldn't do one-on-one -on -one if you reached out to the, the parents and got some sort of video. It would be a permission form yeah. and a whole bunch of rigmarole and, and uh, like, yeah, well, it seems like a hassle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and I have 70 something students. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, God bless you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I just like with the amount of time I have and with, um, it, with like not even necessarily knowing like who I'm going to need, need to talk to or if they need that or like if yeah. there is a need there but yeah the strategic grouping is like a huge thing right mm -hmm. to be able to make it functional like you really have to have strategic grouping because if you were to lead I would say one of the biggest differences and why it works so much better now is that with you when when you have these breakout rooms like before just having everybody in the same room not everybody's comfortable you know sharing their math work sharing their screen. So you can have them share their screen so you can help them with what they're doing. Right. So, but not everybody's comfortable, you know, showing that vulnerable vulnerability in front of everyone. Some yeah. people are like fine with it. No problem. And most of my kids I would say are pretty comfortable, but. But if you're really not, struggling with something, you might, you know, be self-conscious. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and also like you would be distracting every other kid. Right. So they would just be like, okay, well, can I just leave? And then I'll come back when I'm done, but then you might not get them back. Whereas now you can be like, no, stay on. And you guys can, you guys can work together and help each other out, you know, and have them in these breakout rooms and you can strategically place them where you, like, like you said, where you think it's going to be allowing them to be like, part of what my thinking is, is to, how can I make this like socially good for them too, 
Like you want it to be a good social time where they might actually talk and have a connection with another kid, you know, mm. or more kids than that. So it's not even just strategic for like, oh, your math levels are similar. It, it's more like, how are they going to have a good day today? You know, like. Well, the social thing is so huge, especially you guys being middle school. Like that's when you meet a lot of your friends that end up being your friends throughout your teenage years mm-hmm. and really your, your anchors for support and stuff. And then I was thinking even more so when you get into high school, those people at certain age, I don't know what the age, maybe 15, 16, whatever, where you might start, you know, like dating, we'll call it dating, yeah. but, you know, amateur stuff. But like, still, it's important to, to have those milestones of like, oh, your first kiss or like, I just wonder if those people that fall into that certain year that they might have more issues at a later time in the future that they didn't get to sort of follow the natural path of, of you know, yeah. romance. It's going to change it for everyone. I mean, we, I, I mean, even just like, like shaking someone's hand. I've heard people say like, it'll be weird to do that after. I I honestly have no idea how any of us are gonna be social. I feel like we're all gonna be a little bit socially awkward. We're like- Oh, I can't oh wait God, to go dancing. I cannot wait to dance. <laughs> Researchers are gonna be very excited probably because they'll have a natural experiment. They'll be able to see like, yeah. oh, this, this region got their lockdown lifted here. And so we can you know exactly measure like how much impact it had. Right. So okay. true. Natural experiment for them. But yeah, I imagine they'll have effects. That yeah, sociologists are gonna have a field day. Yeah. Um, my daughter, actually, the other day, we took them to the dentist for the first time since the pandemic because, you know, it just felt weird for the longest time to go yeah. take your mask off and open your mouth for someone. Yeah, um, she said just that. She was like the whole way there, like, it's going to be, I don't, I feel weird. I feel like I'm going to be <laughs> naked just, without my mask. Yeah. You know? You're actually going to like touch my spit? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I, I got my teeth done the week before and I did find it weird too. I was like, God, I hope this woman is like vigilant with her. Where, you know, changing gloves and, and all that kind of stuff. And did it look like a Dexter set? Like my, when we went, it was like a Dexter set, right? Like all the, everything was like, pla- like yeah, they had everywhere. Yeah. Extra stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, I'm glad I got it done. You can't wait too long with this stuff like your teeth. You can't mess around. So. It's, yeah. it's actually weird for me. I haven't ever worn my mask for like a whole day. Like yeah, you've gone to work. My kids have, yeah. have gone been to, been to school. Or, uh, oh, you mean like a, like an eight hour, like. Yeah, no, I guess yeah. grocery store, like time. two hours at a grocery store is like the longest I've had my mask on. That's all, uh, so, really, uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. I don't work that often, but I work a couple shifts a week and sometimes six or eight hours at a time. And I've gotten into the habit now that it's getting warmer out again of going to my car on my break, just so I can take my mask off and chill in my car. For yeah. A hour. lot of teachers do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, like for me, it's the, the, like the goggles with the elastic band and it's like instant headache. So I have, yeah. you know, a different version that's more like glasses like, but that I feel like if you had to wear for the people who don't have the option of, of like buying a different version, like if yeah. you're in a, you know, if you're like, I imagine if you're in a hospital, like you wear whatever they tell you wear, you don't get to choose. Right. Yeah. Um, that, I feel very well, no. bad for that because it's, Kelly, it's uh, hard. Like it hurts. Like, yeah, I was going to say, Kelly said the same thing to me. She had, uh, you know, glass shield or not plexiglass shield thing on top of, they've got a scrub cap on and then yeah. they've got the mask. And so a lot of the nurses were um, developing these kind of like little things that would keep the pressure off your, uh, oh, yeah, I think yeah. it was like a button yeah, or something. You like MacGyvering your, your like suit, you know, to try yeah. and make it not like craziness. Painful, yeah. And, and also just even, and uh, like teaching, I'm teaching kids to speak English and they can't see my mouth. You know? Oh, brutal. So, I didn't think of that. You know, so like just even pronouncing things like uh, it's just changed completely how and, and another crazy thing is like even seeing my students, I see them every day, but 
when they take off their mask at lunch, I'm like, oh, right, that's what you look like. Like, you don't, like, <laughs> like you kind of forget. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right, you know? And yeah, then, that's, like, a, that's the key to the snaggle tooth. No, I'm just Yeah, like, <laughs> funny, like, funny stories of, like, when, so, you know, like, they never see their phys ed teacher really with their mask off almost ever. And I don't remember what the situation was where maybe they saw a picture of his, picture of him or, like, he took it off to switch it or something. And they're like, whoa! And he was like, what? He's like, your nose! And he's like, what's wrong with my nose? He's like, well, it's just bigger than, I, like, my kids are pretty direct. <laughs> and they're like, it's bigger than I thought it was. Not in a bad way. It's just bigger than I thought it was. He's like, okay. <laughs> it is weird. I got to say, even just meeting people day to day, I find it weird to not have that whole face view. I don't know. It's, it's just it bizarre. Yeah. I've kind of gotten used to it, but I can't wait to go back. Do you think, like, that people are, I feel like, you know, because in China, people are already keeping their mask on they were already doing the mask thing when they were sick, right? If they were sick in China before all this. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. I re- that part of I've their seen even, even some Asian people in Ottawa pre-pandemic that would have masks on, and I never really fully understood it. I thought it was maybe a, like just a cultural thing. Like but, if they're um, sick to protect others, I guess that was the idea. Is that right? Usually, Yeah, because they've got such dense populations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They actually, they actually faced like a real pandemic before we did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think masks will stick around for a while, but... You know, what can you do? Honestly, at least we're all alive. I don't know anyone that's died, thankfully. I, you know, Kelly obviously comes home crying from work sometimes with yeah. intense stories of, uh, you know, just working her ass off all day and um, the kids being out of school and doing the virtual thing. As you guys know, it's it's crazy, exactly. but I try to count my blessings with all this this craziness, you know? Oh my gosh, so lucky. We actually moved right before, like, the like before the first closure like last year and before that we were in a townhouse didn't have much yard at all and you know the kids were getting older and we happened to move out kind of like we're not that far but we're like out in the country so we have like a great we have like a nice backyard we were grandfathered into chickening so we have like chickens in our backyard oh cool so like (laughs) what a i'm we're so 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 lucky that you know for for our kids like they're two years apart they play together they're like best friends now, you know, and they, you know, so they're, I feel like they're, we're so fortunate that even just to be so lucky to have a yard and have like chickens for my kids to be interacting with, you know, it's definitely so different than what my students are experiencing. And if society completely collapses, you guys can live off the grid successfully. <laughs> I know, for sure, yeah. Eating some eggs and yeah. I take my students on field trips with my phone to like go check for eggs that, you know, like. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I think I've asked you guys most of the education stuff I wanted to hit up. So I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking everybody at the end of this season, which is if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive that you've never met before, who would it be and why? Oh man. Or dead. Okay. Yeah. It could be someone from any point in history or someone who's still alive right now. Cause the guy, I, I uh, have a couple of man questions right now. One of them is definitely uh, Chris Hadfield. Oh, uh, nice. He's like an awesome guy. Like, like, First of all, an astronaut is just like a badass in every single way, right? First of all, <laughs> yeah. because you can't be uh, an astronaut without being like amazing physical specimen plus, you know, uh, some kind of genius in some way, right? Great stories. Yeah. Oh, oh for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he would be super interesting. Yeah, for sure. And George St. Pierre, who, you know, he is a UFC fighter, but also like you listen to him talk and he's just, he's very, very intelligent. 
Um, yeah, I and, saw him on Joe Rogan once. Yeah, he's a yeah, pretty cool dude. Oh, Joe Rogan, not so intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, GSP's uh, in, in the MCU too. He's uh, Batroc the Leaper. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, just, uh, just like watching him on. Uh, oh, do you know? Um, I just learned that the uh, the woman who directed all six episodes of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, she's from Ottawa. So I'm no gonna try. Way. And, yeah, I'm gonna try and get her on the show. I don't know if I'll have any luck, but uh, I thought yeah, it would be cool. My problem with that show is that every time I try to say the name of it, I start saying Captain, and then I could just never say it. It doesn't have Captain in the show, right? There's no Captain yeah. in the name, so I can never say the name of it. But uh, yeah, because when he was, you know, uh, we saw the evolution of him uh, as like trying to be the best, and even at the end of his career, you know, he's, he he had one more point after he had retired, saying, "I want to, you know, be the best ever." And even since then, he's he's come around to say, like, you know, what I realized is that uh, that. I'm always not, you know, there's never going to be one final athlete that ends everything because there's always, you know, better nutrition and better training and yeah. you're constantly getting better. Medical breakthroughs and yeah. yeah. So he's like, he's become a realization and just the way he's very, very articulate with the way he puts it, even though English is a second language, um, he uh, is able to explain like uh, very intelligently that, um, he had, that, that he understands that he will never he he's not going to be the, the be all end all and uh, uh and in fact we saw kamara usman i don't know if you know follow, follow ufc but he um not he, heavily he, i know who gsp yeah. is for sure but. yeah so anyway i do he, she's always said that he's my man crush for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah right on for me i think it would be uh either my grandmother this is probably like not as like no it's gotta be someone you've never met someone i've never met yeah it has to be someone you've never met before that was to avoid stuff like people's grandmothers. I made that specification <laughs> early on. Yeah. Someone I've never met. I don't know who would it be. Like you know, I like I'm the worst at answering questions like Hitler? this. Like, no, I knew you were no. gonna say that. I'm watching the politician right now. It's such a good show, and I never heard of that. I was oh, you have to watch it. It's on Netflix. Who's in it? Uh, well, the second season has been Miller. Like I know it has been Paltrow in it, and I know that people really don't like her. But, I don't mind her. <laughs> but you but you have to you have to take that with a grain of salt because really really it's a it's a very clever show. Yeah, I I do love Bette Miller, but I don't know that that would be who I would choose. I don't know who I would choose. Honestly, I'm sorry, this is like one of the worst at answering. Oh, that. That's okay. <laughs> that's like if you ask me what my favorite song is, I'd be like, oh my god, anxiety. Like, like you'll probably send I, me a message in like a week, being like, I, I know who it is. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Bette Midler would be cool though. <laughs> Yeah, she's 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 had a long she's career. She's pretty badass, yeah. Like I yeah. A lot. yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much to both of you guys. Shane, it was awesome to meet you and Karen. It was super cool chatting and catching up. And I wish you guys all the best. Yes, you too. Thanks for having us. For sure. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.